Welcome to Sex and Intimacy with Mary Jo Rapini, the place where you can leave your baggage at the door and learn new and exciting ways to keep it hot with the one you love. And don't forget, send me all your questions and comments because I want to talk about them on the air. Send them to maryjoerapini.com or tweet me at maryjoerapini. Hey, this is Mary Jo Rapini, and welcome back. I have with me today a guest, my co-author of a book that I'm going to be sharing with you all. It's called Start Talking, a girl's guide for you and your mom about health, sex, or whatever. Um, Today's segment is going to be all about how to raise a healthy, confident teen. And I reassure you, both Janine Sherman, my guest, and I have been through the teen years and are in the teen years, and it is difficult. And the important thing that you have to remember is these years are short years, but no other years in your child's life will be as important as contributing to their teen years for establishing a relationship with them going forward. So with me, as I've already told you, I have Janine Sherman, and Janine Sherman is the co-author. She's also a nurse practitioner. She has a very busy practice, and she does other things as well. So welcome, Janine. You want to talk about yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, As you said, I'm a nurse practitioner, and I work in a very busy practice, and my specialty are adolescent girls. They're my favorite patients. I love taking care of young girls because I feel like it's such an important part of time in their life where they need guidance and help and feel safe talking to someone about their health. Great. Yeah, that's and no, no other time really can can someone benefit as when you have a teen daughter or a, or even a teenage son because we're going to be covering that a little bit. Janine is very trained in both. So um, if you have questions, I'd really like you to tweet at Mary Jo Rapini and just let us know what your question is and, and then we'll make sure we include it in this podcast because our time here with you is about educational but also to kind of get some ideas from listeners as to what you're dealing with and struggling with. One of the areas that I first wanted to just touch on very briefly was about these the teen years now with the social media and the stress and the academics and everything that's so important that you need to know about raising your kids. You know, it, it when we grew up, it was so much different, you know, Janine? And when we grew up, we had parents who, you know, sometimes one of them was able to be home now with the recession and just the financial crunch. It's not easy to have a parent staying home. So both parents are working and this actually can be beneficial for your teen, but it also it can also make it harder to watch them. So um, what do you see coming in your office, Janine, just in regards to girls and stress and, and the relationships a little bit? Um. I see a variety and you know the biggest problems I see are the parents who set no boundaries and if they're gone all the time like a lot of parents are kids can run the show basically and so it's really really important for moms who work and children who come home to make sure that there are boundaries and things to keep them occupied and not just be able to sit there and not have any opportunities to do anything 
but get in trouble. For instance, staying on social networks or texting and um, allowing themselves, you know, to put themselves out there in an unhealthy, unsafe way. Right. If you go to at Mary Jo Rapini on Twitter, you'll get to see the link for the book if you're interested in the book, because we're going to be talking about it as much as we can, but also many other things as well. The book has the Mom's Choice Award, which means that moms all over are saying this is a great book to read along with your daughter, and it means moms are comfortable with the material as well as the daughter. So it, I really... Um, think that it's a great idea if you can take a look at the book and see if it fits for you and your daughter and or son. Um, One of the things that I want to get into a little bit before we go into the social network and tweeting and all of um, Facebooking and all of this is I wanted to talk a little bit about when best to talk to your kids about intimacy and sex. And the reason this has to take a priority is because This is the substance of most of the relationships during the teen years. And both Janine and I, when we were talking about the book, we decided that our stance on sexuality and intimacy for teens would be to focus on the relationship. And that is your relationship with your boyfriends and your girlfriends. So before we get into that too far, I want to talk a little bit about just body changes and the whole concept of how you should go about talking about sexuality with your daughter. And Janine, what what in your opinion matters the most? Like when you get a girl in for the first time with her mom, how do you go about that? The first thing you try to do is make a child feel comfortable with their body and understand that sexuality is a very normal part of life and They need to learn about it just like they learn about how to eat properly. And to try to make both mother and daughter comfortable talking about the changes and the feelings that are 100% normal that they might be feeling. Right. And, you know, a lot of the moms out there are probably saying, you know, what age? What age is best to talk, to begin talking to my daughter? And what we like to what we like to suggest for that is that you actually start talking when your daughter's body changes. But both Janine and I started much earlier than that, just because whenever you get an opportunity to talk, it's a good time to talk. So if you're at the zoo with your child and your child sees things at the zoo like animals mating or different animals together and they'll see body parts. This is a wonderful time when your child asks to not get embarrassed or to turn red or just to distract the child so they won't ask that question anymore. Rather, go ahead and tell them, but tell them an age appropriate. So you wouldn't have to go into great detail for that. You would just tell them age appropriate. Well, you know, that's an elephant. And and name the body parts, the vagina, the penis. Don't be afraid of saying those words. Just because the more you use correct anatomy, the more your child is going to see this part of their body with more respect and also like another part of their body. And when something goes wrong with that part of their body, they're going to be able to come and talk to you about it. And after all, that is what you want. So Janine, can you just talk a little bit about the menstrual cycle and about breast changes and about 
about the female's body changes, how you would talk to her, how you would explain when to explain about the menstrual cycle and those kinds of things. Sure. You know, with my own daughters, whenever they found, like for instance, they were in my bathroom and they found pads and tampons and they asked me what they were for, I talked to them about that and they were very young. They were in first or second grade. But I never wanted them to feel like this was something to be ashamed of or be afraid of, that this was a natural part of life. And then as their body began changing, which fortunately is a, over a several year period of time, we talked about the different things. For instance, when my daughter needed to go buy a bra, we made it sort of a fun thing and that, and that this again was very, very normal. Um, I never answered a question that wasn't completely honest on their level and I never made them feel uncomfortable for asking me a question. And I think that's probably the most important thing is when the questions come up, answer them appropriately. Um, I'll never forget when my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter was in fourth grade and they had the film, which is often the first time that <laughs> girls hear anything about their menstrual cycle. Unfortunately, yes. yes. And they send a letter home to all the moms and ask the moms, you know, to come if they want to. And I talked to one of my friends and I said, are you going up for the film? And she goes, no, I would be mortified and she would be mortified. And I said, what? <laughs> you know, what, if she's uncomfortable with you knowing that she's seeing the film, she's never going to come to you. Right. So I go up there and I was the only mom of about 60 girls. And the girl, I think at first my daughter was slightly embarrassed, but then she was really excited that I was there and could help answer their questions and make it seem like this was a completely natural part of growing up in life. And it wasn't something to be afraid of. Right. Do you think that when more moms would do that, would actually accompany their children and to these talks, that that the kid would be embarrassed? Or do you think the child actually feels more like mom is on my team? She's a mentor. I think if you open up and say, I don't think a lot of the moms even discussed with the daughters that the film was coming up. Right. That they got the letter and sort of dismissed it. And, you know, I told my daughter this was coming up, and I really felt it was my obligation as her mother to be there and see the information that she was hearing because I wanted to make sure that this was all accurate information and she felt comfortable with what she was hearing and she felt like I was on her side. See I, I think that's so important moms and dads. You don't want to be your child's parent or friend. You want to be their parent and part of parenting is almost like you form a team and you you assure your child that no matter what comes up you will handle together. I think it's really important for a child to know that you may not agree with what they're doing but you will always be the parent and I see so many times with dealing with moms and daughters of that age that the moms are honestly afraid of their daughters because they want to be their friend and therefore things happen where the mom should say no that's an inappropriate thing for you to do because she's afraid of her daughter not liking her exactly exactly so Janine let's just pretend now that you have 
a a daughter in? How how old would she be? How old would a girl be coming in to see you for the first time? You know, I see as young as probably eleven years old. Okay, when and is that when their period starts? Well, or usually, you know, the appropriate time to do it is when you are. Um, about 14 is the guideline unless you have a problem and even though you probably won't do anything at that visit other than talk as long as they're not sexually active it begins to establish a relationship with someone that they know that they can go to for information and health advice and it puts the child in charge of taking care of their own body right. and that's the way I approach it right that this is a turning point in your life this is your body. You need to take care of it. And, you know, I find that to be really helpful for young girls because if they can't talk to their moms, I know that they'll come to me to talk to me. Right. Um, I see a lot of young girls who are 14 who are sexually active, which, you know, is really something that just breaks my heart. Right, because that's way too young. Right. And, you know, I tell them, I'm talking to I'm not talking to a patient as their mom. I'm not talking to a patient as their, you know, religious guidance person or their minister. I'm there to talk about health and the implications of having a safe and healthy sexual lifestyle. Right. And, you know, I think that engages them right away because they know I'm not there to judge them. Right. And and moms and dads, when you're listening now, I don't want you to start thinking that, well, why are we talking all about sex? I, you know, what, what does that have to do? For your daughters and your sons, they're as confident as they are at the age. And the more you give them knowledge, the more confident they are. So, you know, you don't want your child to go out and experiment sexually. However, you want them to have the knowledge of their body. This gives them a confidence. They understand who they are, how their body works, and that they have, that it's their responsibility to take to take care of their body. And that's what Janine is saying is so important during that first well visit. Or if it's not a well visit, if it's a visit where your daughter or or your son, if he goes to the doctor, is afraid something's going wrong with him, it's important that you go as a parent and that you allow that healthcare practitioner to see your child privately if that's what the child wants. But at the same time, they can talk to you about what the healthcare professional said so that because they're not embarrassed because they already know that you're on their team and that you want them to be healthy. So that's why we're going to spend a lot of time talking about your child's sexuality and actual development. We're trying to give you the tools to go forward. So, Janine, let's talk a little bit about what you suggest at that first appointment, like things such as a breast exam, Mm -hmm. um, an uh, HPV vaccine, um, the chance of STDs, if you can explain the most common ones for parents. Sure. Well, at the first visit, I really sit down and try to answer any questions about the menstrual cycle and sort of go over it 
slightly. I don't get too in-depth in that because I'm going to lose them right then and there. Right. But we just talk about what a normal cycle is and is she having that. Mm -hmm. And if not, we talk about the issues that she might have with her menstrual cycle. We talk about general good health. Young girls need calcium. Their bones are still, you know, for many years ahead, they're going to be um, her bone density is going to go up, but you have to have the calcium to get it there. We also talk about what good sexual decisions are just because they are going to have sexual urges. And so we want them to understand that, you know, if something makes you feel a certain way, that's normal. Exactly. But what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, if a, you know, because they're going to have situations where, they're going to have opportunities to do things, and you want them prepared to know how to handle it. Exactly. And, Janine, right here, I'm just going to interject something. On my website, maryjoerapini.com, there's an article, 70 Things to Do with Your Boy or Girlfriend Besides Having Sex. And according to the Google search, that is still my number one attractor to the website. And guess who is going there the most? No, it's not girls. No, it's not dads. It's the boys. The boys are looking for options other than having sex with the girls. And that shows you that many times the problem isn't that we that all kids want to have sex. It's that kids don't know what else to do with those urges that Janine just talked about. So the first thing you as a parent are going to do is you're going to reassure your child those urges are normal and healthy, but what they do, what choices they make it with those urges can change the relationship. And it can make everything in their life, you know, consequences are very heavy in your teens. So thanks for mentioning that, Janine. Exactly. And, you know, we also talk about why boys are important in a girl's life at that point and how much of an impact they have on them. Because in my opinion, the healthiest girls are girls who are more interested in becoming the young woman that they're going to be than having a boyfriend or having boys like her. Right. It often scares me when girls focus or moms focus on a girl having a boyfriend at age 13 or 14. And a lot of times that's moms because moms are insecure with their own sexuality and their own desirability. They project that onto their daughters. And moms, you know, I'm a mom, Janine's a mom. We've got to stop this because we're hurting our girls. We want to focus on their interests and what they're good at, their skills. We want them to be as successful as leaders, mothers, whatever their choices are in their lives. They they don't need to find a boyfriend. They don't, and it puts them in situations that they're not emotionally mature enough to handle. Because if a girl and a boy are left alone and they're 14 and they're allowed to get cozy, they can get far beyond the situation than either of them ever planned to be. But exactly. it's the opportunity and the inexperience and the lack of knowledge and the brain development that is not there that allows them to do things that they really aren't prepared to do or really didn't even want to do. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go into a little bit about the HPV virus sure. and, and breast I, development, because I, I think a lot of girls mm-hmm. and moms and dads don't understand that. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, breast development is very unique to the person. There are all mm-hmm. sizes. There are all shapes. There, 
you know, I often have young girls come in because one side's bigger than the other and they think something's abnormal, which I see that about 50% of the time that girls have one side bigger than the other. So do grown women, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Some women. But feeling better now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's normal. That's the same as having blue or brown eyes. And so there's not a lot you can do to change that development. But when you begin to have breast buds, that's the period of time where you will probably get your first menstrual cycle within about a two-year period of time. And so fortunately, there's it's over time that the body begins to change. Yes. And, you know, early on, it's reasonable to teach your daughter how to do breast self-exam and let her know that if she ever feels anything important or different or anything that concerns her, to let someone know. Right. And the other thing is, is as you produce hormones and as you start having menstrual cycles, your breasts will feel different at different times during the month. And it's important to understand what is normal and what isn't. Right. And you want moms, you really want to talk to your daughters about this because I know a lot of girls have a lot of anxiety about their body mm-hmm. changing. And if you don't know what what a normal breast feels like, or if you feel something and you right away think it's cancer and I'm going to die, that's when it's nice to be able to go and talk to mom and mom saying, well, I don't think it's reassuring. I don't sure. think it's anything, but let's go get it checked because we're better safe than sorry. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just a firm believer that the more comfortable and the more knowledge you have about your body, the healthier you will live. Absolutely. And more confident. And and that's what we're going for, really confident girls and boys. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, you just want them to embrace the person that they are and focus on the health aspect of staying a good weight and, you know, getting plenty of sleep eating properly, um, getting exercise, all those things that are very, very important to the process of maturing your body, your, your maturing body. That's right. And, and then how about, like, I know there's a lot of press about the HPV virus. Yeah. Is it safe to get the vaccine? Is it? Absolutely. You know? I was so excited when they, when that vaccine came out because, you know, for years and years and years, we would check girls Um, And we would find so many young women who were HPV positive because you have to remember it's a virus that's passed on just through touch. Um, It's intimate contact. You can't get it from your finger. You know, you can't touch your vagina and then get it. But, you know, if there is nakedness between a man... between a young woman and a young guy, you can pass the virus on because it lives in the surface skin cells of the genital area. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that a person who is having, um, who has HPV has had intercourse, but it does probably mean that they've had some sort of intimate contact. And it's so prevalent. The vaccine is made exactly like the vaccine that your child got for hepatitis when they were born. Um, It is a safe vaccine. The disease is far worse than the vaccine could ever be. Because the disease can lead to cervical cancer. Yes. And again, we're talking about a a vaccine against a cancer, not a vaccine against a cold or a sneeze. This is a huge health problem for women. 
And in addition to the fact, now they're recommending boys be vaccinated, which I have a son and have started him on the process of being vaccinated because the number one cause of head and neck cancer now is the HPV yeah. virus. Mm -hmm. um, through oral sex, we're seeing a lot of young, you know, relatively young people who've lived pretty healthy lifestyles develop throat cancer from oral sex. And, you know, again, these are normal things that people do, and you want to make it as healthy as possible for them. The vaccine is a series of three um, shots. We start recommending between 9 and 11 that young girls be vaccinated as well as young men. And um, I'm hoping that we see a huge decrease in the amount of disease that we diagnose in my clinic because of these because of this vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's I mean I I just think that's incredible mm -hmm. and I think it is going to save so many lives. But parents, it's always wise if you talk to your healthcare professional, and, because I think um, a general practitioner can give those va those yes. shot vaccinations also, right? Actually, you can go into HEB and Kroger and Walgreens and places, you know, there are places in town where you can go in and get generalized vaccines and you can get it at those places. It's very, very safe. Now, parents, I, I'm when you're listening to this, this is a myth that if you vaccinate your child or you prepare your child to understand their body sexually, that they'll become more sexually active. We hear people say that a lot. Well, I don't want to give them the vaccine because I'm not giving them permission to having sex before marriage. This is faulty thinking because actually what happens, and, and research has been done on this field to prove this, that when you give your children education about their sexuality, about the HPV virus, about STDs, what you actually do is you help them postpone their sexual experiences. In other words, the kids who are taught about their body understand the importance of it, and they also understand how complicated it is that they make wiser, better choices with who they have sex with. And remember, as a parent, the main thing that you want to focus on is helping them delay having sex until they are ready emotionally and physically with their lives to handle the possible consequences. Because remember, for every action, there is a consequence. And a child from the age of 13, 14, 15, all the way through 18 is not prepared to have sex. After that, you start making healthier choices. You start getting a little smarter you have a little bit more experience, and you have a better vision of what you want for your own life. All those things contribute to making healthier choices. Now, we're just going to move a little bit just into the idea of STDs and what's important to tell your children about those. And Janine, I'm going to ask you once again, since you're really an expert in this area, what you would tell parents as far as STD education. Absolutely. Well, the first shocking thing to me is that one in four girls will test positive for an, an STD. And so we're talking about something that is truly a public health issue. It's not something that just happens to a certain type of person or a small group of people. Right. This is something that happens 
so frequently, and I will tell you in my own practice, I make that phone call every single day to some young girl about an STD, mm-hmm. anywhere from the HPV virus to herpes to chlamydia. You know, it, it's just something that you need to, as a parent, you need to understand what the risks are, what the diseases are, how to prevent them, and pass on the knowledge to your child on what exists out there. Um, so, for instance, the um, when you're, if you suspect your child is thinking about a sexual relationship, I think it's a great time to sit down and talk about the real risk that who to their health that exists. Right. And if you think she's having sex, that's a great time to take her in to see a healthcare provider. Because if you can't ask those questions or you don't feel competent in talking about sexually transmitted infections, a healthcare provider should be able to do that for you. Um, and when young girls come and talk to me, even if they're not sexually active, we talk about STDs that are out there and how to prevent them. The most important way to prevent an STD is by abstinence, but that's not necessarily reality. If you are going to have sex or if you have had sex, you need to be tested. If your your partner should also be tested. And that's a great litmus test for a young woman. If a guy will not be tested for an STD before he has sex with you, that is telling you right then and there that he doesn't care enough about himself or you to be healthy. Right. And remember, hookups are not love. Remember that because I think a lot of times you're not thinking clearly and you make choices that are going to damage you for the rest of your life. Exactly. And remember, it's not that we don't make mistakes because we all make mistakes. Exactly. But it's what you do about it. So if you do get in over your head and you have a sexual um, experience that you truly didn't expect to, you need to own it so you can prevent a lot of the problems that can come from that. And that would be going to see a healthcare provider and being tested for STDs. In addition, if you didn't use birth control of any kind or condoms, you don't want to get pregnant. Because I will tell you, the worst days I have at my job is when I tell a young woman who is a teenager that they're pregnant. Oh, I, I, I bet you that is really. You know, you know at that point in their life that their, their life has changed forever. It does not matter what you believe or what the outcome is. You know, whether they terminate, and that's not to say anything about how you feel about it, but that's the reality. If you keep it at 15, you're not equipped to be a parent, and your dreams change immediately. Your life ends on in such a way that you have to suddenly be an adult, and you're not. Right. Or if you put it up for adoption. So if you think, if it, if you think your child is having sex or has had sex, you need to get them to a healthcare provider to talk about sexually transmitted infections and birth control. Are boys or girls more susceptible to, to STDs? Well, girls test positive more and have more complications from them. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, for instance, guys can have chlamydia and never have a consequence from it, but girl, and they can pass it on. And even if they go to the doctor, they often will test negative because the way the test is done and the girl will get it. And they will have, if it goes untreated, they can have consequences that can lead to fertility issues. It can cause major infections that end them 
um, that will put them in the hospital. So it's really, really important to have kids tested and understand. If you're a listener and you want to know the most common STDs or what to what to look for with a teen and STDs, you can tweet us now at MaryJoRapini.com. Or I'm sorry, that's my website. It's just tweet Mary Jo Rapini. Um, Janine, when what is the most common um, STD right now? The thing it? that I see most often in young girls is a chlamydia infection. Okay. Yes. Okay. And and how does that present usually? It usually does not have symptoms until it's a very late infection. And so most of the time the girls have no have absolutely no symptoms until the infection is very bad. What what would be the first symptom then? Um probably some sort of discharge. Oh, okay. But uh, itching or anything no, like that? No. No, not oh, okay. itching, no odor. Maybe discharge, but overall it can be a totally asymptomatic infection and that is why if you have had sex, you have to be tested right. because there is no way for you to know bef- without having the test. And then what are the STDs that never go away? Well, you know, HIV is one of them. Yes. Um, and, you know, people will talk about how condoms are not effective. You know, that's one of the arguments for some people is that they don't they don't necessarily protect you against things like herpes or, you know, there still are chlamydia cases, but if you wear a condom when you have intercourse, your risk of HIV, of passing on HIV or getting an HIV infection goes down very, very, very low. So it's very important to teach kids to use condoms because it does save lives when it comes to HIV and AIDS infections. Right. Okay. So if you're a parent and your child is really worried about themselves or they're feeling, they're explaining to you different symptoms, the best thing you can do, don't try to guess. You know, I I know a lot of parents will say, well, it's probably just a yeast infection. Mm -hmm. Don't ever make that call. Take your child to their healthcare provider and just let them get checked because it will reassure you. It will reassure your daughter or your son, and they're going to just, afterwards, they're going to see that they can come to you with these kind of issues, and they're going to trust you more. I did want to get into a little bit, now that we've covered this area, just common things that, you know, we see such as stressors, like we, I'm going to talk with Janine a little bit about this going further. Just what kinds of things are out there that are causing so many teens to come in with anxiety and depression disorders? And we are seeing more of that. And so, and Janine, I'm sure you are too. Yes. So let's talk about that. And then we can each talk about ways that you can help your child de-stress. Because just as in life for adults, there's always going to be stressors. The important thing as an adult is that you know how to take care of yourself, ways that you can calm down. Well, with teens, what teens do is a little bit different. They watch parents, and many parents use alcohol, or they may use cigarettes, or they may use food as ways of calming down or shopping. You don't want to teach those unhealthy ways to your kids. You would rather do things that maybe you can do together as a parent that will help them calm down. So what do you think is contributing to the stress, Janine? There's a lot of pressure on young kids. In Mm -hmm. fact, just recently I had um, a sixth grader come in with her mom 
and the daughter was experiencing tremendous anxiety. And when I sat down and talked to her, I realized that she was in 100% gifted and talented classes. She had a billion activities, which meant every single day after school into the night, there were things that she was doing. Um, you know, this was a child who was relatively smart, but probably had some issues with organization and learning. And it was heartbreaking right. because she was so overextended. And her mom would say to me, I think she needs to be in honors classes because she's smart enough to do it. And that may be all well and good. However, when you are 12 years old and you deal with all the social issues and your body maturing and a million activities, it can be really hard to focus in on one on every little thing and do it perfectly. Right. And, you know, I finally told the mom because the daughter had, you know, C's at best, barely passing these classes. It's like figure out what she's best at. Mm-hmm. Keep her in those classes that are the gifted classes and put her in a regular classroom on the other one because you tend to do what you love best. Yes. And that can help her understand who she is and not feel this pressure to perform at a level with every single thing in her life. That's right. And, you know, being a parent that I've had a teen, my girls are older than teen now, I can tell you this, when when you're in the process of them being teens, what usually happens, I think a, an error that is common, and I certainly did feel some of it, is you want to embrace their success, their academic success and their activity success. And many times what we'll do is we get this more is better mentality. In other words, the higher the grades, the more AP classes, the more honors classes, the more activities, the more they're a starter in their sport. And nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, that's a perfect prescription for a kid who is 20, burned out, and can't decide what they want to do with their life. Much better you hold them back a little bit, or instead of holding them back, at least help them learn healthy ways to slow down. Because I promise you, when they, the older they get, if you have a child who is doing well, that child is going to continue to grow through their lifetime and get better and better, and that means more and more information coming in. And when we were kids, we could go home and shut off the information. We had time, We you had to pick up a telephone and call someone. Now you don't even have to knock at the front door. You text someone, I'm here waiting in my car. There's We're taking out all of the steps that used to kind of help us slow down, like walking to a door or picking up a phone. Everything is immediate. And if if we don't help our kids, parents, as, as you know, really being a team of helping them understand the importance of taking a break, of putting their books away, of putting their phones away, we are actually going to enable the stress and we're going to see more and more illnesses surrounded by stress, burnout, anxiety, depression, overeating, and using other vices. So, a great part in our book, and that book is Start Talking, A Girl's Guide for You and Your Mom about health, sex, or whatever, is Janine and I go through a whole list 
of de-stressors and we actually even have a little bookmark that comes in the in the book and you can actually just carry that around but what are some typical things Janine try and think of some de-stressors and I will too that you can do right now with your daughter or son to help them kind of calm down well one thing I did when my daughter was in high school is I forced her to have a date with me Wednesday afternoons after school and at work and I bet you didn't have to force too hard. We really didn't. I feel like after about the first time, she was really excited. And we both always looked forward to, forward to that time. Right. But we set aside a certain time on Wednesday afternoons because she would be in rehearsal. And I was at my office because she was in theater in high school. And I would go and pick her up and we would go to the local coffee house, mm-hmm. which was, you know, And we would sit there, and I told her we had to come, and that was our time to catch up and chill out together. That's really neat. And we would go every Wednesday after school, or when I was finished with work, and I would we would sit there, and sometimes we would get into really in-depth conversations, but we'd get our coffee or tea or whatever, and just sit on those little sofas, and and just chill out together and that was a downtime for us and it gave us opportunities to talk or not talk but at least she had to put the phone away spend you know 15 or 20 minutes whatever it turned into and just be with me see and I like that because Janine you mentioned we could talk or not talk Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you take your teens out you'll notice they don't want to talk because you'll say how was school fine how is this fine what teens need is they need time to to realize okay this isn't going to be me filling mom in with with details or mom you know questioning me at length this is a time we're just sharing and it's important that parents you shut off your phone too yeah. you shut down your computer you you make yourself available and it's not if you remember Janine said she took like 15 or 20 minutes it's not the amount of time this whole concept of quality time is not important if you don't to put the time back into quality time quality time is not going to the coffee shop quality time is being engaged with your child and that can be done with going for a walk going to yoga class together um and i was i was telling janine once that when my first daughter went off to college what we used to do is i exercise and i like to run well she didn't like to run but she would walk So our time together, our de-stressor, was we would both get on the treadmill, and then we would each have our phones, and we would talk to each other while we were on the treadmill. And and she was on hers in another city. I was on mine. And we both felt like we were there together, running or walking together. If you get... If you really get creative and you talk to your child about, okay, when's our next time together? When's our next date? They'll be creative too, and they'll start thinking out of the box. And any any idea is a good idea as long as both of you are available during that time. And, you know, my daughter viewed it as this was for me, it was right. for herself. That See, this I was, love that. And, you know, she felt pampered. Even if we, you know, talked about the weather and I really didn't try to use it as a probing session, although things would come out naturally because we would just be together. Right. 
Right. And I see, I, I really like that. Now, you know, we're kind of running out of time, but I do want to touch on a few other things. The next thing I want to touch on is what to do if your child gets really interested with someone that you don't like, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you see being a rather bad influence. And if you have any stories to share or you want more information about this, please tweet us at Mary Jo Rapini. Um, because I think that will really help help you, and it will help us help other parents. So, Janine, what have you ever had an experience with this, and what kind of happened? Uh, you know, I hear about this a lot. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Why I asked you, Janine? <laughs> and you know, there have been a time or two where I really didn't care for someone that my child was. It you happens know, to all of us. Yeah. Um, but what I really did try to do was embrace that person because I quickly found out and I see this all the time in practice the more you point out someone's fault they're going to have 10 reasons why he's fabulous because they have to prove to themselves that they're right right and because they are right you know their they're, lives, yes. when they're when they're that age they are right because remember remember parents your teen is trying to separate from you they have to do this emotionally so they're creating their own identity. The way teens make an identity for themselves is they love you so so much. And especially same-sex parent, it's a little bit harder because they have to separate from you. So they have to show you how you've been a hypocrite, how you've been wrong in the past. Everything they can think of, they will. So if you, as their, as a daughter's mom or a dad's uh, or a son's dad, if you point out why this boy or girl is not good for your child, they have to prove you wrong. And what Janine said is that the thing not to do is to try and convince them of that. Much better, and I, you know, Janine and I, when we were working on this book, we talked about this because my daughter had a boy, a couple boyfriends that I really thought were not good for her. And one I was especially worried about. So I made a conscious effort to invite him over as much as possible for dinners, for family get-togethers, because I was quite, she's a smart kid. And I thought for sure, when she started seeing how he interacted, when she started seeing how he treated myself, my husband, um, the other siblings, he, she would become more aware, wow, this guy is not what I thought. When she took him out of the context of school and her own world with him, she started understanding. And I didn't have to say much. All I would have to say is when we were cleaning up after, I would just have to say, what do you think about, what do you think he meant to me, I took everything personally, so she was able to describe it. But then what happened is she went back to him, and she said, what did you mean when you said that? And the more she started talking to him, I think she realized it herself. All of a sudden, I noticed, well, it wasn't all of a sudden. Sometimes it takes a long time, but they would break up then. And that's when, that's really ideal because you start allowing your child to handle situations when they get all the views. Exactly. And, you know, it just reminds you, too, there have to be boundaries in that. Yes. When you, you know, because they'll sneak around. <laughs> so you can say, 
if you want to see him, you can see him at this time or with us or, you know, and but don't forbid it by any means because they will find a way to see each other if they want to see each other. Right. And that's so important, Janie. And I'm so glad you brought up the boundaries because these, I think these are healthy boundaries. If your, if your daughter or son is between the ages of 14 and 18, these were our ground rules. And I, I think they're pretty wise. Before 14, I, I probably wouldn't want um, an opposite sex person there unless it was a group anyway. So right. I, I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't really believe in even dating until you're 16. But what happens is there, the opposite sex friend was not allowed at our house without me there, basically. You, I know parents said just let the kids come in and out, but I think that's really a poor choice, and it's not being a real good mentor for your child. And the second thing is leave those doors open. Okay. Because you might think, well, you know, there's nobody even in the room right now. But, you know, you if your child has a computer in the room, which most kids do, they can be sexting, they can be sending stuff over the Internet, that they can be Skyping that you most parents have no idea about. And it's kind of scary. And once again, you might say, but we trust our child. Well, you know, so do Janine and I. But as Janine said, when when something's verboten or when when you're not around 24-7, and most of us aren't, then you need to take extra precaution to set boundaries to keep your child healthy. And, you know, it doesn't come down to trust. It comes down to experience and having the maturity to make yes. decisions of how to handle the information that you get. Right. And, you know, a 14-year-old can get way in over their head long before they realize it. Right. Because remember, when you're 14, you think you know everything. And, you know, I, I especially will f find that men understand boundaries much better and they're less lenient than the women. And when I ask men, you know, how do, how do you know this? Like, why, why are you so strict? The men will tell me, listen, I was a boy. Mm -hmm. I was a teenage boy. And you want to remember, you know, you, yes, you do have to take responsibility for your hormones, but teenage boys have surges of testosterone and it, and it doesn't, it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable, and there's one goal in mind, and they may be very, very good. They may have great parents, but the bottom line is you have to protect your children. You have, to, you have to protect your, your son and your daughter from making a choice that can negatively influence them for the rest of their life. Absolutely. And so things like being, being a, you know, a lot of parents say, but I don't want to be mean, would... You know, I don't think it's mean to be to help your child with healthy boundaries. Absolutely. And I think that well what I see are the kids that don't have boundaries have no respect or for themselves or their parents. Right. It's, and it's destructive on both ends. It is. It, it, it is. And I, you know, I'm working now with a company called True Care Online. And what True Care does is they're, they're actually a company that monitors 
phones, computers, and they send alerts to parents when there's buzzwords used that they feel will be harmful to their child. TrueCare makes its business, it's a huge business, and the reason they're doing so well is because they understand the power of social media and how cyberbullying and texting and sexting and you know you you may think well my child isn't really isn't texting you know we we never see the bill your child has free apps downloaded most likely on their phone that you don't even know about like WhatsApp or Facebook and they can send texts through there they don't need a phone line and pornography with teens and social media is becoming the number one teen problem. So what I would recommend you parents is to know up front, unless you become engaged in your child's virtual world, that your child could be in danger of of going up to meet someone they don't know or possibly some other consequence to something they aren't prepared to handle. So do get involved with your kids. Know who your kids are talking to. Keep that computer in a central area, and when your child does have a cell phone, make sure that you are in control of that cell phone. In other words, you, you have the right to give it or take it away. It is a privilege. It is not for your child just to run with because even though you don't know what's on that smartphone, that smartphone is smarter than most of us, and there's, there's things that you can really get into trouble with that. Um, and if you have any questions about social media and teen danger or anything like that, you can tweet at Mary Jo Rapini or go to my website, maryjorapini.com, and I can help you with more information for that. So lastly, Janine, I just kind of want to come turn around now and go through that um, what, what you think is really important overall for raising confident, healthy teens and and basically the areas that you would prioritize as a parent or that you have prioritized as a parent? Communication was one thing. Boundaries were another. Okay. That I think, you know, my kids knew that I was always in their corner, but I was their mom first and right. foremost. And if I, I was the parent and they were the child, and you used that to your advantage when you had to. Yes. Well, you know, and I really like that because I think the worst thing is when you bring in your child. Like, I see, I do see teens and parents, and what I'm seeing is that when a mother brings in her daughter and her daughter sits on the sofa and uses foul language, calls her swear words, or has an attitude that usually what's happened is that mom has tried to be that daughter's friend. And parenting is a tough job, and there's no rule book. And absolutely, when you are a parent, there are many times you have to stand alone and risk being hated by your child, but make the good call. Make the call that's going to help them be successful. And sometimes that means not telling them things. Sometimes, you know, Janine and I were talking the other day about parents who tell their children inappropriate things. Like, you shouldn't tell your children 
about your sex life or you shouldn't tell your children you know how you were wild and smoked pot or whatever you did until the child's an adult and they can handle that if you tell your teen that when they're in high school your teen is not going to be able to understand that in a mature way and your teen probably will not find that information useful as far as their success. So sometimes when you're a responsible parent, it means keeping your mouth shut and just being a good listener and trying to always focus on your belief that that child is going to be incredibly successful. So with that, I think we're out of time. So Janine, I just want to thank you again. And also, how can people get a hold of you, Janine? Um, you can email me is probably the best way. And it is JJ Sherman, S-H-E-R-M-A-N-3 at Comcast.net. Okay. And my thanks a million for being here. I Jane. had a great time. Thanks I, for having I me. I love having you. And my name, you know, is Mary Jo Rapini and my website is uh, MaryJoRapini.com and tweet at Mary Jo Rapini and Facebook. Uh, Mary Jo Rapini. So thanks a million for being with us. Uh, We've got more podcasts coming up. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye.